0: You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. You know, Michael, it's um, been a lot of fun when we get to catch up with each other while we're on the road and we're sort of living vicariously through each other as uh, we taste wine on other part, in other parts of the planet.
1: Yes, it is. <laughs> I, I, find, I find it really a, a, a lot of fun to go to these places, learn a lot of things, uh, and then we get on the horn and, and, and we talk about it. Uh, in fact, just today I was looking at the one we did uh, when I was uh, in Toronto and you were in your car. I that's think that's right. the most interesting place that we've ever done this from.
0: I still can't believe we managed to make that work. Anyways, I'm Andre Pru from AndreWineReview.ca.
1: I'm Michael Pincus from MichaelPincusWineReview.com.
0: And we're two guys talking wine. And uh, I had a chance to talk to you not once but twice while you were recently on the road in Italy.
1: We did, um, we were doing the... Uh, Antiprima Toscano, which is just basically all over Tuscany. You're in Florence, you're in Montalcino, you're in Montalcino, you're in San Gimignano. Uh, I, I know I'm forgetting some place in there, but yeah, you're in all of those places and tasting all kinds of one. Chianti, uh, Brunello, uh, Vino Nobile. It's uh, it's a lot, a lot of tasting.
0: All right, well, let me just get straight to it. Here is me talking to Michael while He's at his first stop in Italy. I've seen some photos of all those wines. Did you taste every single one of those?
2: No. There's no way to taste every single one of them. There's like 675 wines. There's no way to taste them all.
0: You're (laughs) just not trying hard enough.
2: No, I'm not. I I, I totally gave up. (laughs) Are we recording yet? Yeah, we are. (laughs) No, I just came from, uh, I'm in San Gimignano, which is about an hour away from uh, Florence. And um, we just came from a winemaker's dinner, and uh, the 2016 vintage of uh, Vernaccia, which is uh, a white grape here, is, is looking pretty damn good. Uh, sadly, I don't think we're going to see much uh, of it in Ontario, but um, I think 16 is a really fresh, nice vintage.
0: Are we going to get anything in Ontario that would be kind of comparable, or certain labels we should keep our eyes open for on the shelf?
2: Um, I'll tell you that I don't see much Vernaccia, and I think that would be the kind of thing that would come through vintages. Um, yeah, I, I just mention it because that's where I am right now. I'm in San Gimignano, and I'm sitting out on uh, on a deck or in my on the veranda of my hotel room, looking out. Uh, over the twinkling stars and the and the the cypress trees and I'm smoking a Tuscan cigar. I just want people to think that, you know, we wine writers that's all we do.
0: Well maybe you could see if you can get us a, a photo of the view that you're seeing maybe in the morning and we'll make that the the banner for this podcast when we finally get it all together. Actually I
2: have it. I took I took it at sunset tonight. Excellent. It's really nice.
0: So yep, why why don't I you why God. don't you why don't you tell our wonderful audience I guess before we move on to that and I get to my first question cuz here's how this episode's going to work I'm going to interview you about what you're doing but for the uh per- particular wine that you were talking about if there's a wine agent listening to this uh maybe there's an opportunity to bring some to Ontario maybe on consignment uh, how much does a bottle of what you're drinking cost
2: Vernaccia, it's it's not a very expensive wine it's a it's a white wine especially when it's fresh and fruity uh, you know, you talk to producers here, and it's three, five, six euros. So, you know, even less than that. Let me be honest. You know, you're looking to you know, buck fifty. I, I know we're in euros. I always say a buck fifty or whatever. But some of these things are super cheap over here, at what they call X seller which is right from the seller door. And uh, you know, they come in. I would think a vernatche should come into Ontario anywhere between ten and and fifteen dollars.
0: Well, there you go. So if you're an agent listening to this, there may be an opportunity for you there.
2: And, I, and the 16, as I said, was a great vintage. So, But what I'm really here for was, uh, well, for the last four days anyway, uh, we were in Florence, Firenze, uh, as people keep saying. They, they say they don't understand where Florence comes from. It's called Firenze when you're here. It, it gets all stuck up and stuff. But... Um, what I've been tasting is Chianti for the last uh, four days. And I, I know a lot of people have said to me, hey, I'd love to be in your luggage and go taste all these wines that you're getting to taste. But what people don't understand about a Chianti, it's a very acidic wine. It plays havoc on your teeth. And uh, I look in the mirror every uh, afternoon when I get back from tasting between 100 and 150 wines. And I look like any kind of rummy on Young Street.
0: Wow, well, that not that a mental picture, but it has been interesting <laughs> to look at the, the photos. Anyone who's following you on social media, we've seen this uh, giant hall that has uh, looks like a table down the middle that is literally just covered with bottles.
2: That's exactly what it is. It's got 675 wines that go straight down the middle. And I did take a video of it, I don't know if you've got a chance to look at it, where I started at one end, and I just started walking. Uh, and I realized this is getting longer and longer, so I started walking even faster. And at the end, I said, "Is that enough wine for you?"
3: So,
0: well, the answer to that theory. question is no. It's never enough wine. <laughs> but uh, I'm 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 a little concerned if that's if that's where you're at already.
2: Yeah, well, concerned about what, Andre?
0: I'm just concerned about your well-being and and your your mental state of mind that you think that that's uh, too much wine.
2: That's too much wine for one day. For wine. <laughs> and actually, here's here's the funny part. That's the Chianti. The, what I took the video over is the Chianti Classical, okay. which is a two day program. There's also the Chianti Lovers, and then there's just uh, what they call Antiprima Toscana. Now add another, so you call, you look at 675 wines. Then you're looking at probably another two to three hundred wines in each one of those other things, and you're looking at almost 800 to 900 wines able to be tasted. There's no way to do it or else, I don't think I'd ever make it home.
0: You know what? This is almost a little bit of uh, of perspective. Uh, you and I, we both love our local producers and um, this is just a bit of perspective on how small Ontario is in terms of a, a global producer because you're in one region of Italy drinking one type of wine and you've got 900 to taste and I'm sure that's not even, yeah. that's not even all of them. No, it's not,
2: and it's. Here's what I can tell you, though, and, and, and this is this is really interesting. Um, the 2015 vintage in Chianti is fantastic, almost across the board. As you know, and I know, and listeners know, you know, you do get some duds, but I mean, almost across the board. We try, I tasted uh, almost a hundred. 2015 Chianti Classicos. And that's just the uh, classical uh, designation. And I would say 75% of them were good to outstanding. It's just a really great vintage 2015, so it's going to be hard to find a bad Chianti Classico when they come to Ontario. I'm sure the LCBO can find them, but let's hope they don't.
0: Well, fair enough. So, I mean, we know that, we know that you're there. We know that you're yeah. there. Um, who else is there that has been invited to this? Like, what, who, who are you tasting wine with?
2: Well, there's, there's wine writers from all over the world. Um, this is a huge event, and uh, we have people from, you know, from, from Russia. They seem to be in the news these days. Um, uh, we have people from France, uh, Korea, the U.S. You just you name a country, I've got somebody here tasting wine alongside me. And I will have to tell you, and I hate to get political, a lot of them are very worried about one country in particular. I'm not mentioning any names.
0: Why? I don't but think anyone huge. from that, that country... It's huge. Oh, there we go. <laughs> it's huge. Very big. Well, what's what's the big, big concern? Are, are they concerned about the impact that... Uh, trade tariffs or sanctions could have on on getting wine in and out of that country or like what's what's the big no, concern you know what
2: it has nothing to do at these events you know it's just a lot of small talk it's a lot of wine talk but for the first time in in four years i've been here four years in a row now um the talk is the u.s and the buffoon they have in office and what he's going to do and has nothing to do with wine it seems to be a major topic of how scared people are and i don't you know and and i'm thinking you know we're canada you know we have a good relationship with the u.s um but there's a lot of countries out there and these people are not alarmist people they're very mellow anybody who's drinking a lot of wine you're usually a, a, a mellow person but there's a lot of really mellow people that I know from years past who are legitimately scared, and uh, even U.S. citizens scared of what's going on in the U.S. these days.
0: Well, um, I guess this podcast has now entered the realm of uh, what the Commander in Chief, stuff of the border, would refer to as fake news.
2: Yeah, this is all fake news. Don't worry about it. It's not that's not true at all. But it's just it's just it's amazing how prevalent. No, like when Obama was in office. Nobody talked about Obama. Who cares? You know what I mean? Now it's it's a totally politicized, and it's not you know people are we're tasting wine, we're talking about wine, and sooner or later somebody says mmm, that that wine is really trumped, and then that gets you onto a conversation about what's going on in the U.S. and that means the wine isn't very good, by the way.
0: Well, let's move on away from politics to the the favorite Canadian topic because you're you're in you're in Italy and. We're actually blessed with some pretty nice weather here in uh, Toronto right now. But I mean, what's the what's what's the actual weather like in Italy at this time of year?
2: Well, it's interesting. Um, uh, it's between about ten and seventeen degrees each day. Although somebody said today they reached about twenty, and that's still winter here. But uh, there's there's no such. It doesn't seem to be cool. Uh, I'm actually sitting out here on the, uh, the veranda in shorts, because um, it's, it's, it's cool, but it's still nice, and it's hard to believe this is their winter.
0: <laughs> and I'm guessing you're probably the only person there in shorts, and they n- immediately know that you're the crazy Canadian wearing shorts.
2: Well, granted, it's, it's late at night when you and I are talking, uh, and most people are in bed, so um, I'm the crazy Canadian who's still awake.
0: Oh no, rest for the wicked. I mean, it's impressive. It's impressive that you're awake this late. I, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but uh, you do go to bed ridiculously early.
2: I do usually when I'm in, uh, when, I'm in um, the, the <laughs> when I'm in the the uh, Canada when I'm in the the Eastern Time Zone. I do go to bed ridiculously early. But somehow, when I'm away, I guess you just want to suck in all of the culture and all of what's going on around you, and you just seem to stay up a little bit later. Now back onto a wine topic. I was speaking Perfect. to one of the uh, uh, wineries here because we have you know wine dinners, and you end up sitting with a lot of producers. And I remember when I was here last year, a lot of producers were saying, "Oh, fourteen was a was an okay vintage. It was it was good, but they were they were you know kind of kind of tepid about it, but always telling you that it's it's a good vintage. They never really say that it's a, a bad vintage, but Uh, now that the 15s have come out and that they have, you know, the 15s are getting onto the shelves, now they fully admit, they go, the 14s weren't such a good year. And uh, they really are looking forward to what's coming out in 2015.
0: Well, there you go. So for the people who are listening to this podcast, um, when can we expect to see some notes or blog posts at uh, com? on what it is you're tasting?
2: Well, they're, they're coming out, uh, I wouldn't say daily, but uh, they're coming out just sporadically. I know the, the Chianti Lovers is already out, and the um, Anteprima Toscana is already out. Tusca, uh, the Chianti ones itself, Chianti Classico, they take a little bit longer because there's a lot more wines. Uh, from here, uh, we're doing uh, Vino Nobile and then Brunello. Now, they're smaller tastings, so they'll probably come out A a little bit sooner, but I I would think you know by uh, by March, April, they'll all be out, and that's that's when you're going to be starting to hopefully see some of these wines maybe making their way uh, into Canada. Although the LCBO is a little bit slow, I would think you know we're going to see them on on our side of the pond September, October, and later than that. But by then, those wines are going to you know start to. You know, really come into their own and, and 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 lose a
0: little bit of that baby fat, as you would say. So, what do you have coming up for uh, the rest of your trip?
2: Well, as I said, we're going to go to uh, and, uh, Montalcino and uh, Montalcino. We're going to be tasting Brunello. We're going to be tasting Vino Nobile. And uh, after that, I'm going to be in Faenza to taste some uh, Sangiovese of Romagna. And then I'm coming home, and I'll be very happy to be there because. As Dorothy said, there's no place like home.
0: Well, there we go. Okay, I was a little jealous at the the thought of you sitting outside of a hotel room, smoking a cigar in shorts. Well, even though we've had a pretty mild winter in Toronto, the weather was definitely shittier here than it was there.
1: It definitely was. And uh, it's really interesting to get that cigar. I had to put my email down and I'm like, and my address and everything. And I'm like, I'm from Canada. And he's like, oh, that's fine. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, and I've already received an email from them telling me, do I want to buy more cigars? And I'm like, probably not.
0: That's too fine.
1: But, uh, it was a really good cigar. And while, I don't know if you heard me out there while I was talking to you, I was actually drinking a bottle of water, uh, not a, a glass of wine. Cause I, I'd been inundated with wine even, even that day. And, um, it was my first, uh, I think my first full bottle of water that day. And it was a seven fifty, and I was like, I need water.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. Um, now, for your second stop, I know this one's going to be a little bit harder to hear, but there's a lot of information in it. And I can't believe you told him to his face that uh, he's my man crush. But
1: Oh, I, yeah, your <laughs> wine, writer man crush. You know? I've really made Michael no sense. Michael Goodell see- was, <laughs> was there with me, and it turns out he wasn't feeling well. So that was really nice of him to come in. And we perched ourselves. Uh, on the edge of my bed, because that's where he came in, and I, hel- I held my phone, and we talked into it. So that's probably why the, the sound quality is not the greatest.
0: And we do appreciate him joining us, because there was definitely a, a crash course in uh, the definition of Chianti Classico, and it was nice that uh, we got to hear some of the stops that he made. Uh, Michael Goodell writes for Wine Align and has his own blog, goodello.ca. That is definitely worth reading.
1: And you know, he was a lot of fun to travel with. Although, as I said, for most of it he, anytime we were on a bus, he was sleeping, uh, and uh, he was just not. Uh, he was not 100% Michael Goodell. And I, I've, I've been on other uh, trips with him when he's like on, and he's you know great. This one he was just, just a little bit quieter than usual.
2: I know we've spoken from uh, Italy before, but I have your writing man crush here, <laughs> in the uh, in uh, Michael Goodell. Oh, I
3: think it's the other
0: guys in the shower.. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so,
2: so I thought we'd bring him in to get another take because uh, Michael has done kind of an alternative version of uh, of Italy that I have. I have been uh, to uh, all the all the tastings and the anti-prima part. And while Michael has done uh, a number of the anti-primas, he has also gone off on his own with some producers and got uh, a look at the countryside and, you know, obviously got the producer's point of view. So I thought we'd get him in here for a few minutes, talk about what his uh, version of Italy that he has seen this time. Uh, so if you have any questions, jump in, but uh,
0: uh, you know. The first question is, is pretty simple. Um, Michael, what have you been tasting?
3: What have I been tasting? Well, uh, in my in, on either side of the Chianti Classico collection Ante Prima, uh, I made some visits with um, producers in the various, uh, you know, sub-appellations of Chianti Classico. On the first day, uh, I went to visit uh, Bibiano, um, which is an estate in Castellina, uh, up on a beautiful plateau with, with uh, vineyards down one side, down the other side, completely different soils on the other side. Uh, I went to Villa Trasqua, which is also in Castellina. And uh, yesterday I spent some time, or sorry, today I spent some time at uh, Villa Calcinaya and then um, I went over to...
1: Um, He's been so many places, he doesn't even remember I went now. To
3: <laughs> sorry. And the other day I also visited um Borre la Capella. So um, that's in San Donato. So the interesting thing is going to all these different South Appalachians of Chianti Classico, the one thing that stands out more than anything is is soil variation. You know, everybody thinks of the Campi Classico, Sangiovese, they think of one style of wine. Even if they think of more styles of wine, the thing that people don't realize is just how many subsoil types there are, and that all of these estates in various places are making different wines because they have different terroir. And you don't necessarily get that when you sit down with 100-and-something wines or 400 wines, as we did sit down with. Yes. Um, you, know, you don't always have all that information at your fingertips or right in front of you. You just have a bottle and you have a glass. But when you go visit with people, that's uh, that, that's the number one thing you find
0: out. Okay, so if you had to dumb it down for someone like me who doesn't drink a lot of Italian wines, <laughs> what would you say is the biggest yeah. difference that you would be looking for uh, in a Chianti Classico, depending on where it's from?
3: The biggest differences you're looking for are, are freshness versus big wines. I mean especially at the Chianti Classico, you know, anata, which is the vintage level, or meaning not reserva and not Gran selezione and not single vineyard, even hundred percent Sangiovese that, that can be just, considered just, just a stuff. straight just a straight Chianti Classico. Just a straight yeah, let's talk about it at the straight Chianti classico, you know, wines that are at home that are anywhere from fifteen to twenty five or thirty dollars, let's say, right? Mostly in the fifteen to twenty five dollar range. So really the number one difference you're looking for is freshness, easy to drink. I can, I can open this tonight no matter whether it's 2013, 2014, 2015, versus the bigger structured wines that come from, for the most part, deeper hard clay or deep clay soils. Uh, you're looking for the fresh ones. So how do you know that? No, the label doesn't tell you. But if the label does say where in Chianti Classico it's from, that is going to give you some direction.
2: And And just so I can jump in, Andre, so... We tasted, obviously, a bunch of wines you've tasted from these producers. Uh, what did you think of the 15 vintage, which is the one we're tasting now?
3: I think if I'm a consumer in Ontario or anywhere, for that matter, I think the 2015 is an incredible vintage. It's it's a consumer vintage for sure. It's very, very approachable, drinkable, amenable, whatever words you want to use, gulpable. The 2015 is a really pretty wine. So pretty, so pretty that... that Producers didn't have to put a lot of oak on them and did not have to do a lot to them. And hopefully, for the most part, I'm sure you feel the same way. The ones who didn't made fairs, very, 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 you know, made great wines. Yeah. You know? the, the fruit is,
2: is there. Yeah. Uh, as I told you earlier, I thought the fruit was there. I thought the 15s, you know, pretty much across the board. You're always going to get bummers. But across the board, they were, were good wines.
0: Mm-hmm. So, anyone who thinks that Michael Pincus is full of crap, we now have a second opinion.
2: Yes, that's uh, basically what I, that's why I brought Michael in.
3: Yes, but here's where where I'm going to diverge. So, and I don't think Michael and I will ever completely agree on this, but I have a soft spot for 2014. I don't. I did not. uh, I was here
2: for 2014, and I thought they were a harsher wine. And uh, having spoken to producers about 14, they are ecstatic about 15, Uh, and a lot will admit that 14 was, now they'll admit anyway, they wouldn't last year, but they will admit 14 was a tougher vintage, and good producers make good wine, that's just the end of it, it, and it's the same in Ontario, it's the same all all over the world, a good producer who watches his crop, uh, is in the vineyard, knows what's going on, will always make a good wine, no matter what the vintage a lazy producer will make lazy wine and the vintage will show that.
3: Absolutely. But here's where I'm going to, to go away from this. So in my visits with the producers on these two days that I toured in Chianti Classico, the one thing that every one of them, to a, to a producer, agreed upon about 2014. Now, there's the, the, the caveat here is that all the producers I, I visited with are really good producers yes that is true okay so i wasn't visiting with duds i wasn't visiting with lazy people i was visiting with producers who walk the vineyard every single day during harvest and bite into their grapes and when the when the bottom of the skins does not send searing problems and waves into your brain uh, they know that their fruit is ripe and ready to go, and then they chew on the green—sorry, on the brown seeds. And when they crunch, they know they have perfect fruit. These are winemakers who walk their vineyards every single day in September and October. So these are really good producers. There's nothing lazy about them. They like 2014, and the reason they do is that it reminds them of some great older vintages that were that were not discussed in any positive light at the original time. We're talking about in Chianti Classico 1998. Uh, 2004, uh, a little bit 2005, 2008. These are vintages that have actually stood the test of time when great vintages like 1997 have actually fallen apart a little bit. So that's what 2014 is, but you have to be very selective. You have to know the producer and you have to know that they are not lazy, that they did the job, and that they make good wines, very, very good wines in 2014, even if they don't completely show it right now.
0: Now, I, um, I, I know that you guys have only had a couple of days to kind of digest things, but are there any particular labels that stood out that you're hoping are going to cross the border or maybe go into consignment or maybe hope that the LCBO picks up?
2: Well, you always hope that the LCBO is going to pick up good wine, uh, but you know that they're going to pick up stuff from larger producers instead of smaller producers. That's just the way the LCBO is. Uh, I'd probably have to go through my notes again to get a list of... of who I would hope the L.C. Would, one would pick up mm-hmm. or two that are going to be coming in. But from my point of view, I think when you see coming, and I, and I mentioned to you earlier in the week that um, I, I think we're probably not going to see these till late 2017 mm-hmm. or 18 is oh, when yeah. we'll see them.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, but if it's got a Chianti classical label and it's 2015 mm-hmm. and it's within your price range, I, I would suggest picking it up. Uh, you don't have to buy a bunch of it quite yet, but I mean, buy one, try it that night, and if you like it, run back and, and pick up a bunch. I think that would be my recommendation. I agree, and
3: I think, I think that, that back to that sort of 2014, 2015, you know, weigh-in, if I, were, if I were telling consumers, I'd tell them to go buy 2015. And I think it's a vintage that's going to convince a lot of naysayers and a lot of people what Chianti Classico can be and what it's going to be going forward. Uh, You're really seeing, in the last 12 years, the quality has improved here immensely. And the world doesn't really know it yet. They also don't know how to separate Chianti Classico from Chianti. And that is a very, very important distinction. Chianti Classico is a very specific demarcated zone. The vineyards have nothing in common, really, with Chianti. And uh, I know it's Sangiovese and it's Sangiovese, but Chianti Classico is a completely different animal. And 2015 is the vintage for people to get back into it.
2: Yeah, and you can tell when you, when, you, when you taste the three different parts of the Chianti Antiprima that we went to, which is, I don't even know what it's called. I call it the also the other people that are on the, the outside. Then there's the Chianti, which is, I guess, the inner circle. Mm-hmm. And then the middle, the heart, the heart- is the Chianti
3: Classico. Yeah, yeah. And there are some good wines in those mixed consumption yes. that we're talking about on the outside. Monte Cuco, um and uh, Morellino di Scansano. Gandano, there are some good wines. Marema, there are really good wines, but you really have to work hard to pick them out. Yeah, you know. And so I wouldn't call you know more than Alsace. I would I wouldn't call them that. I would actually sort of refer to them as wannabe or you know, given that the old well, as I, I wrote a, I wrote try, right? I, I wrote an article that basically said at some point years ago,
2: some guy walked into France and he said you know what? Uh, And he came back to wherever he was and he said, you know, there's a place in France that begins with a B. I can't remember it right now, Uh, but I see big things coming from it. And that's kind of what that, what I call the also rants. They are on the, on that outer circle. And yeah, they're,
3: they're, they're, they'll, they'll come into their own. They'll come into their own. The bigger the, the, the inside gets, the more the waves will spread out. And there just has to be, you know, the pie gets bigger. So, um, we'll see we'll see some improvement but it's gonna be low and slow, right? Where, you know, you can come back to us say three months, five years and that mixed consortia of tasting is not going to be that different than it is now. No. Right? It's gonna take a long time for for those people to, to really, you know, make tracks. It's, so. it's, it's funny that a guy who uh, knows barbecue would say low and slow. Oh, I think you also think is low and slow. <laughs> I, I, it's how I, I, I live my life low and slow, on, so You just
0: know that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think on that note, uh, I'll let you guys get to bed because it is quite late where you are. But I, I do want to thank you very much uh, for for joining us on Two Guys Talking Wine and. Uh, where can we expect to see some of your notes on this trip when you uh, get them all together?
3: Hmm, good question. Um, I'll definitely do do some early writing when I first get home. Uh, I'll publish some probably Canty Classico notes first before I do anything else. Uh, so, you know, I'm on my blog at Cadello, and I'll there'll be a, a Wine line article at some point, but I don't think that'll happen in the first month or two. It'll probably happen later in the spring. Uh, maybe in April, let's say. Um... But um, I'll be putting up my notes on, on Wine Align as I go. And then when I have a certain thematic put together, then an article will go up on Godello, that's for sure. Well,
0: as you said, I know he wasn't uh, feeling great, but uh, it was really great of him to, to join us. And as he said, if you go to Godello.ca you can or Wine Align, you can uh, get some of the notes on some of the wines that he tasted while he was in Italy. But uh, that wasn't your last stop, was it, Michael?
1: No, I had two more after that. I was uh, I did uh, Brunello wines, and uh, I was very happy with, uh, with uh, what I tasted uh, in Brunello um, for the most part. I, I think the, the problem with the Brunello tasting this year is in previous years, they've had uh, two days of tasting, uh, and this year they only had one day of media tasting and then one day of walk-around tasting, and I always find it hard to really take Good proper notes, uh, clinical notes when you're walking around. Uh, so, um, the second day I, I really wanted to concentrate on the 50 or so reservas that were available because somebody said they were absolutely outstanding. Uh, and unfortunately, I just never got to the reservas I did most of the um, just the regular Brunello. So then the, the second stop that I had was uh, to Romagna and um you know with with uh, vini ad arti and uh, i've been to that event uh two years in a row and uh i i was really blown away this year well let me say in, in previous years the wines have been good okay to good average i would say but the 2016 vintage in my opinion for the Romagna region is a real turning point. One, it was a great vintage for them, but they are really finding their stride with their Sangiovese and the Albana, which is their their white grape, really lovely, really tropical in in nature uh, in the 2016 vintage. But the Sangiovese is just outstanding. I was very impressed. So when you see Romagna Sangiovese coming through uh, any wine store that you're at I would I would pick up a bottle and give it a try I think you will be impressed
0: I'll definitely put that on my list um, I, as I've said several times on this podcast Italian wines are a, a little bit of a weakness in my in my wine knowledge so it's always nice to get a bit of an education from you and, and uh, i am just kind of open my open my eyes to what's going on in Italy
1: Yeah, Italy is is continues to be fascinating. Uh, I know that you during the um, uh, the big tasting that happens in uh, November every year uh, work, but you really should try and find a way to get to that tasting um, and uh, stumble home from it.
0: I'll see what I can do. There's a
1: lot of Italian wine at that
0: i'll see what i can do i guess now we can uh maybe tease ahead to what we've got on some other podcasts this one was definitely special to get a chance to have uh, a guest star and catch up with you on the road but uh i think coming up very soon we have our podcast with alan jackson and uh, if you're a country music fan you're going to be very disappointed wait,
1: wait 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 hold on hold on it's not that alan jackson <laughs>
0: Now we're talking about Alan Jackson of of Jackson Triggs. So we're uh, definitely trucking along with our, our legacy series. And uh, make sure you subscribe to this on iTunes. Leave us a, a review if you like it. Uh, we're two guys talking wine.
1: And uh, Keith Urban will be on the one after Alan Jackson.
0: Yeah, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm Michael Pingus from michaelpincuswinerview.com.
0: I'm Andre Pru from andrewinerview.ca.
2: And good night.